to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. What's up, Savannah? I'm your girl, Sheree Darian. So happy to be back with you today, just before Christmas. So let us start today's episode off by wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. I love this time of the year. And I have another very special guest for you today. But before we jump into that, let me jump into this and remind you, you're listening to WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with global soul. And the viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily that of WRUU, its staff, or its license holder. And without further ado, Again, what's up, Savannah? Let me check the line. Mr. Darian, are you on the line with me? Yes, I am here. I am excited. I am live. What's up, Savannah? What's up, Carolina? What's up, world? Merry Christmas. I pray that everything is going well in everybody's life. And I'm just so excited to be here to share my story with an amazing host and Cherie Darian. Well, listen, we're not going to make them wait too long. Wow. Where do we want to begin with this story? I've been thinking about it a lot since we've spoken offline. I think this is a very timely conversation. I'm sure there's a lot of people sitting on the edge of their seat to see which direction we're going to go with this conversation, but it is relevant. It is timely for sure. We're talking about men and we're talking about mental health today. The world you know, especially this time of the year, you hear uh, sudden suicides, right? And so uh, Twitch, apparently this man, young man had a <clears throat> quite an impact on a lot of people. I understand that he could dance really good, but since he has passed, I've seen a lot more reminders of faces of people that died. We, um, no Robin Williams, right? This, this was a guy that made everybody else laugh. And most recently you and I were talking about David Mann, right? Who's married to right. the soundtrack uh, singer, excuse me, Tamala Mann, who we also know as Mr. Brown from all of Tyler Perry's um, great movies and, and plays. He right. came forth recently saying, you know, that is something that he has been dealing with, mental illness, right? And, you know, right. I thought about that just preparing for our talk today, mental health, mental illness. I think that's part of the problem is that we have so many labels uh, mm -hmm. out here in society and it, it makes people embarrassed. I think those are the specific words that uh, David used, you know, feeling embarrassed to be able to even verbalize that, look, something's off, so there's a problem. Right and um, being vulnerable as a man. So I wanna hear from you. What are some of your thoughts, if you don't mind sharing, and why is it important for you now to talk about it? Well, it's important for me to talk about it because you know I have dealt with you know certain areas in my life 
where I was challenged, you know, uh, to really dig deep down and, and then search within myself to, you know, figure out, you know, some things that I, I couldn't understand. And of course, you were speaking on about uh, David Mann and, and just the, the, uh, the label of mental health, of course, when we were coming up and, you know, in my era, if somebody was mental, they was labeled as being crazy. So right mm -hmm. now, you know, we're, we don't want to take on that stigma because, of course, it, it would also label us as being crazy, you know, and we don't want nobody to, to think that we are crazy because we're not. But at the end of the day, you know, we all have our issues as a man in dealing with certain areas of our life that we just don't understand. You know, life, I've always, you know, shared with a lot of people that life teaches us through two avenues. That's example and, and experiences. So, you know, certain things that we have experienced that, that wasn't in a, a, a good example in our life, we struggle to comprehend certain things in our life that we may face that we have never saw before. And it's hard, especially if it turns out not good for us based on a decision, whether it be self-inflicted or just something we is out of our control. It's hard for us to, to talk about it because we internalize a lot because of course we carry a lot on our shoulders as being a man, just in general. You know, you've and, said that, uh, you've said that a lot, just in that one uh, response, you've mentioned being a man, you talk about men and men's issues. Um, and mainly where you struggle is in the areas where you don't understand. I think that's certainly applicable to men, uh, but to humans, period, right? To include us women. Um, but this is right. about you guys tonight. And we just want to unpack what you just said, your response about life teaches us in two ways and experiences as well as examples. So before we unpack this conversation, this topic about men and mental health, or I don't want to say illness, um, you know, and we can say illness. I think we can use those two words interchangeably because certainly uh, I think David and Tamala were saying, well, if you have a heart problem, you go to a heart doctor, right? If you have some right. other issues, you go to that particular specialist. So illness is not necessarily a negative or a bad thing. It is a label, however, but I think it's certainly important. But before we jump into breaking that down some, some more, what I typically do on Courageous Conversations with Cherie is what I refer to as rolling out the red carpet. And that's my way of a affectionately loving all my guests and welcome them here. I did not ask you for a bio for many different reasons, of course, but this is part of our conversation. We're talking about, again, I'm going to just rip this word to uh, shreds tonight, these labels. When mm -hmm. you think about when you meet someone for the first time, I know, of course, I work in corporate America or I work in a, a very professional setting. And I, whenever we meet someone, it's the first question usually that's asked of us is what do you do? Not who you are. What do you do? Right. We're known based off our accomplishments. Right. It could right. be degrees and such. It could be positions that we've held, titles, so forth and so on. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the person, the essence of who Edward Damon Darian is. But I don't want to describe you. I want you to be able to describe yourself. And this is going to tie directly into our conversation tonight with men and mental health. So would you tell Savannah and everyone listening around the globe today, who is 
Edward Damon Darian. How would you describe yourself? Um, my, of course, my name is Edward Damon, Damon Darian. I am the oldest of five. I grew up in a small town called Pineland, South Carolina. I am uh, an elder in the Lord's church. I am a believer of Christ. There are so many things. I'm a, a personal trainer. I'm a father of beautiful children. I have six grandkids. I'm a business owner. I help in the community where I can. And uh, surprisingly to a lot of people when I say this, that you know that we're on this this uh, live and this having this conversation is that I am your ex-husband and mm -hmm. we're having this conversation, which is it's timely and and I thank God that we are in a space and time in our life where you and I can be cordial and understand each other and still want the best for each other and and just to to be a beacon of light to help and share in any avenue of our life for which God has called us to, to you know, to be in life. And now I just, I just love helping people because I came through a point in my life where I felt like there was nobody helping me. I couldn't get any help. Or the fact that I was too ashamed to ask for help because of who I was, being a personal trainer, uh, I've lost over 115 pounds. You know, I've been successfully uh, pouring into other people's lives and making them feel good about themselves in the avenue of training them in the gym, which teaches different avenues in bodybuilding or training them to, it can be applicable to their life as well of the things that I teach them in the gym. So there's a lot of things that I've been doing, but you know, I had to come to the point where, you know what? Damon's pouring out a lot. Damon is just doing, just giving time, which is, it's okay. But I had to realize that I wasn't giving myself enough time or allowing myself to be poured back into because I'm always trying to pour out. And you know how our bishop says, you either balance or you burned out. And I came to that particular point in my life that I was burned out. And being burned out, even in the gym, when you exhaust your muscles and you want that last rep and you go push, push as hard as you can, you may get it and you may not based on your, your muscle, your body being fatigued. And sometimes you can make a bad decision based on not getting that weight up and you can compromise your form till you can cause yourself to be injured physically. Because mentally in your mind, I'm gonna get this thing up. Like this, this weight ain't gonna beat me. But of course, if I compromise my form and don't do it the, the correct way, I can injure myself. And that could be detrimental to my career, to anything in life. Because when you hurt in the gym, it's hard to recover, especially a man, uh, you know, my age at 50 years old. All right. So I heard you loud and clear. So did all of Savannah and those listening around the globe. We heard what you do. We told about your family a little bit. You didn't say, however, who you are at your core. I think you answered very much like people in corporate America answer, what they do, uh, their accolades, their achievements. But you didn't answer who you are at your core. Who is your personality? What makes you tick? What, what do you jump out of bed to do every day? What 
keeps you up at night? Who is that person at their core? What scares you? Well, I can say I have a, I have a great personality. I love to make people laugh. Uh, what fears me the most is not fulfilling my purpose in life or even understanding what am I called to do in life. And um, what drives me is that I love to be in a position to help people. What makes me thrive and so excited that I love to see people excel for the simple fact that me being a business owner, driving trucks for over 20 years and having my own trucking company, which God has really blessed me with, everybody that I train, I don't charge a dime. I don't charge a dime. All I do is sow my time and my knowledge and my wisdom into their life to help them because I want to see them become the best version of themselves. That what drives me every day, every day. I want to see everybody succeed at whatever God has called them to do. And if I can help them in the way that I know in my strength, that's what I've, I've been doing for the last three to five years. And how do you help yourself? How do you show up for you? What is your form of self-care? You know, that's a very good question because I haven't mastered that yet. I'm working on that, but I haven't mastered that yet. And of course, you know, having conversations, you know, with you and, and, and other people, I have to learn how to take time for myself. I'm always, like I said previously, I'm always pouring out into other people's lives you know, going far and beyond my call of duty sometimes, you know, and without even thinking about it to the point where I get to, you know, where I am now physically and I have the opportunity to just sit back when everything is quiet, you know, all the noises ceased around me and I'm here alone by myself and I'm like, hmm, what could I have done different? What I'm going to do different tomorrow? or something that I, I could have done better that I felt like I left a little bit on the table, but I should have done it a little differently. So, you know, taking time for myself, putting myself in a position to where I can go to seminars of, and connecting with people that have the same desires that I have, you know, to- What's preventing you from doing that? What, what stops you from doing that? I haven't taken the time for myself. Honestly, that is my biggest thing. As far as the gym, work, whatever, I don't take time for myself because I feel like I'm going to miss something. Such so whether as. I'm tired, sick, uh, you know, I said I put so much pressure on my body that sometimes a lot of times I don't feel well. My back hurts. I can't, you know, get around like I would, you know, on a normal day. But I still always push myself because I feel like I don't, I'm going to miss something. Such as what? Miss what? An opportunity in life to help somebody or just to, to be in that position where I can finally get to that point where I made it or, about, or I did something very successful that day, you know? And I think I have to get to the point where I'm always looking to get that feeling of I've done something so great when I've done something in somebody else's life but I've also need to hold myself accountable for the same thing that I do for myself, which I have been neglecting myself for, for years, taking out the time for me. So I've asked you 
how you would describe yourself. How do you think other people describe you? In all honesty, you know, the people that I, I come in contact with on a, on a consistent basis, as far as, you know, at my job, you know, working at the courts, whatever, people always think I'm happy to go lucky because I'm always joking. I'm always smiling. A lot of people in the port don't even know my name. They call me smiling because I'm always joking and I'm always, you know, trying to make other people feel good. But of course, I understand that's, that's the mask I've mastered all over these years. I can be having the worst day of my life, but I won't let you see it. I won't let nobody else see it. What, what is that? What is that? And again, we're talking about men and mental health. It is said, long said, that men are providers right. and protectors. Right. With that being said, to your, your point a few minutes ago about uh, you could be having the worst day, but you wouldn't allow anyone else to see it. People call you smiley and you wear the mask. Why would you not allow yourself to receive that which you are so eager to give to others all the time? But you mean as far as uh, allowing people to see the vulnerable side of me of a, or how I'm, how I'm actually feeling at the time without wearing the mask that I put on every day yeah. that I have mastered? That's yeah. what you're saying? So right. to answer that question, of course, even to unpack that, I grew up in a neighborhood to where uh, it was about maybe 10 to 15 guys with a year span and age difference between five, three to five years. Of course, I was the youngest out of 15 guys that I hung around with because I've always been a big guy. So I always played with the big boys. So growing up around them, you would never cry for anything. You bet not cry. Or you're going to be looked at or labeled as a punk or you sorry. So I don't care how bad you hurt, how bad somebody may have hurt your feelings or whatever you may go be going through in life. You did not show that side of vulnerability around those guys. And we were conditioned as little kids to adulthood and even up to now, you know, that we feel a certain way that we can't, we wouldn't be able to, you know, show that side of us, or it shows a sign of weakness and vulnerability. And that's something as men, we're not good at showing until so it gets to the point where we explode and we can't hold it anymore. Okay, so you just, you mentioned earlier, um, now being age 50, you have a lot of lived experience under your belt at this stage in your life. And mm -hmm. clearly there are things such as the boogeyman, we know there is no real boogeyman, right? So there right. are clearly things that you were conditioned or taught uh, or told in your youth that you know is not necessarily true or even healthy today. Right. One being um, bottling your own fears or emotions, right? right? What do you say to men? Now you mentioned you still working on some of these issues yourself. I personally know you, the person that will put on the face, the mask, as you, as you mentioned, and not really get to the root of things. Right. Avoidance technique. I used to always call you the ostrich. I don't know if you remember that. You put your yeah. head in the sand, 
You yeah. try to avoid issues and I'm total opposite. I'm very confrontational. We're going to talk it out until we get to the root cause. Do you feel that you are in a better position now or even willing to really pull this, the bandage off to go deep enough to the root and really tell your truth? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm at that point now. And this is the reason why, you know, you, we, we're on this live and we're having this conversation for me to finally open up because I was the type, I'm the type of guy, just say, even in training, bodybuilding, I'm not gonna show my physique till I'm comfortable enough to where I feel like I'm comfortable enough to show it. You follow what I'm saying? Or till mm -hmm. I, I reach that point in my life where my, my physique is peaking in, in a certain area that it looks good enough for me. You know, so even to the point of this, I've always said, you know, how that cliche is, how people say, oh, when I have, when I turn 40, I'm going to do this. Or when I get my life together, I'm going to go to church and all this other kind of stuff. Well, I'm still in a work in progress, but I've been seeing all of these things transpired from friends and social media and all these things that's going on in our world amongst us as men, you know, and I feel like, okay, now it's time to just open up. And as, as I progress to move forward to my total complete restoration and healing in whatever areas of my life that I'm seeking God for and help in other areas, I can also allow that platform to help someone else say, you know what? It's okay to say I'm scared. It's okay that you fail at a certain area in your life. That still doesn't discredit you in any way of you being less than a man or disqualify you in any areas of, of your life of which God called you to be in life. So this is my point of reaching out to my brothers and say, you know, it's okay. You know, my biggest thing is, and I, what I shared with you earlier is the king behind his crown. We wear our crown very well. We wear our roles, we perform it, to the best of our ability. But what happens when we take it off? When nobody sees us in the room or in our car by ourselves when we're trying to figure it out, we don't have anyone to talk to. And you know, I had this image in my head when I was coming from the gym, you know how just saying the king behind his crown that during the course of the day, we wear it well. But when we take it off and we set that crown in our hand, it's full of blood. Mm. We are hemorrhaging, but we wear it well. If we will open ourselves, you will see the wounds. Mm -hmm. You will see where things penetrate us. You will see things that we're still suffering from, but we were so conditioned as black men or just men in general, we have learned how to follow the way, hide it, and we have mastered how to mask any situation no matter how bad we feel. Do you feel like when you do that, you make decisions or you display behaviors, some toxic, <laughs> if you just want to be frank, mm -hmm. um, as a means of not dealing with those things, as a means of continuing to cover those things up, as a coping mechanism and this is yeah. obviously a non-judgment zone because we want, really want people to be healed and ultimately delivered from these right. things. But to give the brothers, 
I want to create obviously a safe space for them where they feel like they can have this conversation and they know I am not alone. Men and women, children even feel like, you know, when it happens to you, you feel like you're the only person on the face of the earth that's going through that. And what I hear you saying tonight is that, no, brother, you're not. No. <laughs> like, like if this is an AA meeting, then let me be the first person to admit it. And we're going to unpack that because what you just said was certainly powerful about the king behind the crown, what happens when you take it off and the fact that you said it's bloody. That's huge. That's huge. And so we want to unpack in the second half of this of what does that blood represent? Mm-hmm. You know, what, right. are, what are some of those things? And and why do you continue if you know it's hurting so bad? Why do you continue to walk around as if everything's OK? Do you think that you are protecting your family, your friends, those loved ones, those closest to you, when you don't, when at the same time you're hurting, you're suffering. Again, we started this conversation about the young man, Twitch, who recently committed suicide, beautiful family, wife and children, and obviously a whole slew of fans. And, you know, we're left with the residue of who he was, getting back to the beginning of how you describe yourself. You gave your accolades, you, what you did and um, your desire to help others. But, and I asked you, what would other people say about you? You know, you said that they would say that some of them in the port don't even know your name because you always make them smile. Well, again, that goes back to Robin Williams, the guy that always made everybody else laugh, but again, he committed suicide. So why do we continue to have this facade? Why do you continue to take off the crown full of blood night after night, day after day, and not really deal with it. So with that being said, that was heavy, Savannah. That was really, really heavy. I think this is a really good segue. We want that to resonate with you, particularly our men out there, but anyone, any human being that's particularly at this time of the year that's struggling, we want you to stay connected. Listen to this conversation. We kind of went on the surface. We're going to dig a little deeper. I'm going to have him turn the soil when we get back. And he's really going to go into this conversation about what that blood really represents. Savannah, you're listening to Courageous Conversations with Cherie. We'll be right back with you. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. And you're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. We are back. You have Darian Time Tube. You have Edward Damon Darian on the line. He is our guest today. Our topic is men plus mental health. He just gave us an amazing topic uh, for this particular episode. It is the king behind the crown subtopic. What happens when we take it off. Men, I hope you are strapped in for the second half of this episode. We were just talking about what happens is it's full of blood. That crown is bloody. What I'm asking you, Edward, today is what does the blood represent? The blood represents the suffering 
the misunderstanding, the things that we regret based on decisions, whether they were self-inflicted or there were things that was out of our control or the simple fact that, you know, we've been trying and trying and trying, just can't get it right. And we and we're afraid to, to even ask for, uh, for help. We will continue to allow that crown to become so heavy, to press down on that forehead so, so much to compress because we can file things away in our head to where it gets to the point where we can just set our own false reality based on what we know is true. In other words, we can create our own illusion. Like you said, I was always in the past, an ostrich that stick his head in the sand, right? I didn't want to be confrontational about it. I don't want to be, I didn't want to be confronted about it because guess what? I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't want to share because I would feel that maybe that person didn't understand. So there's a lot of things that I did based on that. And of course, like I said in the beginning, from the example and the experiences of my life as a child. And I can share this one thing with you, which I have several. Okay, you and I have a, an amazing son, 31 years old, captain in the United States Air Force, doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And we're so proud of him. Yes. I'm gonna tell you something that, that happened in my life. We were in church one day, I heard the pastor was speaking, and he was speaking about, of course, when Jesus got, you know, King had got baptized by John the Baptist and uh, God, you know, said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? I never heard that from my dad, never. I never even heard my dad say, I love you. And at that time, when I heard that sermon, I was in my mid forties and I've been with my dad all my life. You know, and I, when I became to understand the relationship between Christ and God, I wanted that same relationship between me and my dad, mm -hmm. you know? And so I went to my pastor because even with that, in that, that sermon, he shared something that there was a disconnect between him and his father and what are the steps that he had to take, even though he didn't understand why it was such a disconnect between him and his father. Mm -hmm. Or he wasn't getting the response he desired as a son from his dad. You understand? So my pastor gave me some advice. He said, if you want that from your dad, then you start telling your son that. Because of course I wasn't telling our son that. So in other words, you become the change you want to see. Right. I started telling my son, our son, on a consistent basis. I love you. I love you. And even to the point that when he, it was foreign to him in the beginning, that he didn't respond and said, I love you too, dad. He would just go on or just hang up the phone or whatever the case may be. It was a text message. But I, I was consistent with it. Right. Love you, son. Love you, son. Love you, son. Love you, son. And this went on, Cherie, for about a couple of years. Yeah. And one day on the phone, me and my dad was talking. And when we said goodbye, my dad and I said, I love you. He said, I love you too, son. And that right there shook me to my core. 
Wow, power words. I need it. Yes, yes. And wow. of course, you know, a lot of us as black men, you know, I grew up with my dad. My, my dad basically raised me. You know what I'm saying? He was in the household with me. But I still was yearning that, that appreciation and confirmation or affirmation that a man desires no matter what role he plays in his life, whether he's a father, whether he's a husband, whether he's a boyfriend, whether he's a, a great business partner, whatever the case may be. If God can do that for his son, then of course that should show us that is something that we, we also need. And if that's lacking in our life, it can cause us to make some, some crazy decision because we're still searching for that. You're trying to compensate for something that you desire that you didn't get. Not make an excuse of the decisions or the conditioning, which is why I made the point earlier. Yeah, there are things that you experience in your youth, but as you get older, you make better decisions. It right. does not negate the fact that there are still some of those wounds, yes. unhealed wounds that you have from your youth. Um, and you've built this coping mechanism to deal with life while, and part of that is wasting, wearing this, this mask, having the facade. But would you agree that, I mean, God, we're on the, the heels of 2023. Like it's a right around the corner. Do you, would you agree that it's time to talk about it like we are to have a courageous conversation, but to literally put it on the line? Yes, I think it, I think it's 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 that time that we we have to. But of course, we can see so many things now that are accessible to us as far as social media, what we hear on the news, and even certain things in our personal life that we can we witness or we hear about it, like you were speaking about the, uh, the unfortunate situation about uh ellen's uh dj of him committing suicide but of course right. on tiktok there were some other people that actually did the same thing that he did made a tiktok was very happy and successful with the likes coming and all this and did the same thing as twisted committed right. suicide hours later you know and other people see that that could be going through whatever they're going through in their life and see that as the only way to, to get some type of healing or, or just to stop the pain. Talk about that. I think you just hit a nerve right there that perhaps men have not really talked about. Because I think at the root of whatever was going on with any of the individuals that ultimately took their own life, I mean, I would suspect that it was pain. There was pain that they probably thought would never end. And so they ended it. So why don't yeah. you talk about pain, the pain that men carry? The pain that we carry, if we don't understand the whole concept of why we're going through it, what's the purpose behind it, and everything that's attached to it, we would take that upon ourselves. Just say, for instance, somebody may have ill will towards me, don't know me from, from Adam's apple. Yeah. But he goes on social media or he may say something out in public or may spread out a, a vicious rumor about me, but don't know me. But I would take that upon myself based on somebody else's decision and try to figure it out or try to make sense of, okay, 
okay, I got to get to the point in my life is I can't control what other people do. I'm not going to take somebody else's actions upon myself, especially right. if I ain't done nothing to them. You understand what I'm saying? But we take so much on ourselves, And because of how we were conditioned in our mind of being a man, you have to be tough. You can't cry. You're not supposed to be fearful. You know, nobody's supposed to get the best of you because, of course, we are com competitive creatures at nature. You know, like I shared with you, when I first bought my brand new Camaro, I was the only one in Savannah with that color Camaro, right? Two weeks later, a Caucasian guy pulled up beside me, same car, same make, same color. You know what I did? I went to Atlantic Customs a week later and put a stall on my car so my car could be distinctive from that person's car. Now this person, he just loved his car. But in my mind, you ain't gonna have no car like mine. My car will look better than yours because this is what men do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We are a competitive creature. Rather, you know, after I ever saw that car again in my life, people gonna right. know when I ride now 516 or 20 or whatever I'm at, they're gonna know that's Damon's car from putting the lights on it and all this other kind of stuff. You know, we have to get past that, that we feel like we have to prove something to someone without being honest with ourselves. Yeah. You know, I found that even in the gym, you're talking about the safe place or the coping mechanism. You know, just as well as anybody knows, I ain't gonna miss gym for nothing. It could be Christmas, Thanksgiving, it could be snowing outside, it could be pouring. I could have the worst cold in my life, but I'm going to that gym. But let's talk about that. I think that's a very valid point. And this is not to throw you under the bus, excuse me, but it is to acknowledge that coping mechanism. We've uncovered that the gym has become your safe space. Right. It has become the non-negotiable part of your life. It is like your crutch. Exactly. And you're addicted to it. Yes. In other words, it started off as a safe place, my sanctuary. Mm -hmm. it, then it turns into an, an addiction. Now it's an obsession. If I don't go to the gym, if I skip one day, I'm going to feel like my whole day went to crap, basically. Like my day wasn't fulfilled if I missed that gym. Right. Because in the beginning, if you remember, I asked you how you would describe yourself. Then I mm -hmm. asked you how other people would describe you. How do you think they would describe you? But what you just described with the gym, it has become a part of your identity. Yes. Yeah, it's like yeah. Linus in his blanket. That is your thing. Now for you, it's the gym. For those listening to us, it could be substance abuse. It could be alcoholism. It could be sex. It yes. could be any number of, it could be shopping. You know, it doesn't always have to be abusive in, you know, in that form, but it is a form of abuse. Right. When you when you cater or rely on that thing or individual so much, well, you can't get get away from it. And for you, I think you just confessed on courageous conversations with with Cherie that that's your thing. Like like without that, you you can't function. I can't. And almost, and you're right, like an addiction is almost, for the lack of words, 
is almost like a drug. You're right. It's an addiction. I got to have, and of course, you know, you know, the time that we, when we were married, that when we would go out of town or whatever the case may be, I would not book a hotel unless they have a, a it, nice it gym in it or access to another gym that's really maybe, close. yes, really close. Other than that, we ain't seen. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, so I, you're right. I found that that place, but also now I'm in the point of my life where I can reverse that now. Like, yeah, it wasn't an obsession and all this, but now I'm using it for a different platform. But here's like, the thing. Talk, let's talk about that. You say you're in a place where you can reverse that now. I think that is critical for our listeners too to really acknowledge, are they ready? Because you have to get ready. I can't force you to change your love, your obsession, whatever. We can't force a person to stop taking drugs. They got to get to a point where they make up their own mind that enough is enough, that I'm tired of this. Let's talk about that. Right. And, And the fact of the matter, you have to get to the point in your life, what makes you feel good about you? Mm-hmm. Not the gym, not the car, not the women, not the job, not any of these other things. What makes you feel good about you? And I shared, I shared a TikTok with you that way, you know, of course, I, I love Coach Prime. And um, he said, you know, I don't care about anybody else's opinion. As long as I look in that mirror and I'm good with that feeling in the mirror that I look at every morning, yeah. then I'm good. That's so are you good? I'm going to put you on the hot seat right now, Mr. Derry. Men, we need to get there to the point where we can look in that mirror and say, you know what? I'm good with you. We good. And be good with that. You're standing on the hot seat for all the men, all the brothers out there. Uh Uh-oh. And I want to know, are you good with you? Are you good with the man in the mirror? What makes you feel good about yourself? Or is there something else that you want to overcome before you can say that? There's some other things in my life I am working to overcome that I'm still I'm a, still working progress in certain areas of my life. Okay, but I, I got to check you. I got to check you for a second. Right. Respectfully, respectfully, okay. I got to check you because that sounds like one of those Christian sayings, cliches. I'm a work in progress. God's still working on me. We're not we we're throwing all that junk out the door in 2022. We're going in 2023 with no excuses. We're straight out of excuses. What do you mean? We're going to call Black Black. What is? What do you mean by that? Work in progress is what I mean. Meaning the fact that, as, that I am not where I want to be, but I'm, okay. I can accept where I am now. That I know that I'm moving forward towards where I'm, I'm working towards. In other words, I'm not stagnant. I'm working towards it. Every day I'm, I'm seeing some type of progression, whether it's large or small, I'm in a stage of my life where I can appreciate everything. You know, the good, bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? And there was time that I couldn't. Yeah, you, know? you, you mentioned you mentioned creating illusions earlier. Are you saying to me and all of Savannah and those listening around the world that you are not trying to psych yourself out of your own reality? that you are accepting it for what it is, but you're making a cognitive decision to do better, to do differently, whatever that is, without creating a label, but taking yeah. ownership. Yes, I'm taking ownership. And please don't allow me to put words in your mouth. I, I really want to hear your truth. 
Yeah, I, I take I take ownership of everything that you know I, I come in contact with the decisions I need to make, you know, how I'm feeling. Like, you know, if I'm having bad thoughts, if I'm having a bad day, I deal with that right then and there. I don't wait two or three hours later for somebody else to piss me off. Excuse me if I could say that. <laughs> to make it even, you know, to the point where I become a ticking time bomb. You know what I'm saying? When you got certain areas in your life, you got to learn how to deal with it right then and there. Because if you don't and you file it away, it's almost like you say putting band-aid on a wound. Eventually, something else is going to happen that's going to have some type of relationship or some type of connection to whatever made you mad or whatever hurt you is going to rip that band-aid back off and it's going it's to make trigger. that sore hurt even more. It's a trigger. You might have a yeah. trigger and the dynamite is going to explode. Yes, definitely. You know, and you have to be able to be okay with it, with those triggers. You know, you have triggers. I have triggers. But when it happens, I have to be to the point in my life where I can identify it immediately. Yeah, that not these triggers don't make me, don't influence me to make a stupid decision. That I'm yeah. going to hurt me or hurt anybody else. You know what I'm saying? I do. I, I do. I, I want to unpack that a little bit more because I think women get a bad rap for being emotional beings, right? Uh -huh. Earlier, we we're talking about men being protectors and providers. We're typically labeled as the nurturers, right? Right. And very emotional. Right. I own, I own my emotions, my ability to be in tune with myself, uh, to not be afraid of being vulnerable. I think that's an opportunity for a lot of men to do and to take ownership of, particularly one word that you used is king. In order mm -hmm. for you to be the man that you were created to be, to be the king of your own life, first and foremost, but also for your family, whatever that right. looks like, uh -huh. is that you first have to be healthy enough to do that. Right. We didn't really unpack scripture tonight. We will have a follow-up conversation where it can go, Savannah, in any direction. As you can see today, this was not premeditated by any means, but there's a lot. This was the first of many conversations that we will have about men, mental health. You mentioned a ticking time bomb. I inserted triggers. Anger. Mm -hmm. Men deal with anger, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We want right. to get to the root of why they're really angry, right? Uh-huh. In this world of dating, we both have been on that ship just, oh my God, it's a whole nother world. But we hear a lot about narcissisms. We hear about uh -huh. toxic traits. But I really want to unpack it because I think both men and women have challenges. Like it's, right. it's a lot of challenges for, for various reasons. But I think what we have to do is really get to the root of what, why are we all showing up? And so many people are showing up the way they are today, but we're not even trusting each other anymore. And you got all these standards that are like, oh my God, right? And it's just so much. So I wanna talk about that crown again. We have about five more minutes left in today's episode, but I wanna talk about 
that crown. We're talking about it being bloody. I'm curious to know if it's also heavy. And what does that look like? Yes, it's very heavy when you don't understand your purpose in life. What are you called to do? What makes you happy every morning? What do you get up every morning that you can do effortlessly? That you will wake up with excitement just as much as the breath you take every second of your life. That how important that every breath that we take in our life compares to how important that what you do every day, making an impact, being a blessing to someone, even to the point where you can even be comfortable enough to share your wounds, your scars, even from the things that you have conquered in life and been successful to get over a certain trauma or whatever the case may be. You know, as men, we don't want to even share that. You know? What do you mean? Meaning like, if I went through a, a point in my life that something was very traumatic and I was successful even getting through that and what avenues it took for me to get there, some men, it's hard for them to even share with another brother that could be going through the same thing. Like, we know but there's that's nothing why we're Okay, right. okay, but that's Nothing why we're here. Long. So you be the first partaker and you start the conversation. You reveal what is something that you have overcome that you can now share with a brother that may be listening. The first thing I have to overcome is, is that I have put so much pressure on me, unnecessary pressure on Such me. As. Because of the, I guess the, 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 the expectation that I thought maybe you, my kids, or my mom, my dad, you know, the company that I work for that's always pulling on me, you know, trying to live up to everyone's expectation. And, then, and when you feel like you fell short in whatever area in your life of that set expectation of somebody you really care about or that you really respect, it can be very difficult to process. Because like I said, we are competitive creatures. We don't like to lose in anything in life. We want the baddest women. We want the baddest cars. We want the baddest clothes. We want to wear the baddest shoes. That's the true essence of who we are as a man. I Does think you're speaking for, I mean, what about the men that disagree with that? Because I think, I don't think all men, and I could be wrong because I'm a female, but there, sometimes there's an overgeneralization of women as well, and I don't fit all those boxes. So to be fair, I think it's some men that do share your opinion of what you just shared. And then I think there's others that don't necessarily need all those things, or they're mature to a point where they're beyond that. They've gotten beyond I mean, that. I'm saying the fact of the matter, it don't have to be all of those it could be just one. It could be just success in general. It could be something of, you know, growing this company bigger than the next person. Or he trying to prove something to the next person. Or that somebody in fifth grade, a teacher that didn't like him, told him, say, you ain't gonna never amount to nothing. But this man, 50 years old, but he still remember what that fifth grade teacher told him. 
Yeah. And he's still living his life based on what that fifth grade teacher told him. And yeah. every day- Sort of like you at 40 him. waiting to hear your dad say, I love you. So some of those yeah. wounds we carry, yeah. Every day of his life, he's trying to compete against what he heard from that fifth grade teacher. Not even looking at the point that he's even in a space that he's been probably more successful than anybody in his family. That he has accomplished a lot, but he's still fighting that wound, that trigger or whatever, or that thorn in his flesh. Right. So what do you say? I mean, what do you say with like two minutes left in today's show? I really want you to speak to the heart of the minds of the men. Your topic, the king behind the crown, what happens when we take it off? What do you say? We, we talked a lot today about a lot of things and we really just scratched the surface. We'll come back and unpack a lot of this the next time. But what do you say to that brother that's listening to you tonight or today? What do you say to them? What's on your heart and mind? What, what would you say to them that you needed someone to say to you? And let's not wait until they're 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. I, I would actually say this based on my own studies in my own personal life and what I had to understand and identify within myself. At the end of the day, it's okay, fellas. It's okay if you have to cry on her shoulders or you have to cry in a way to speak out to your best friend or even have to go to a therapist. If you need help in any areas of your life that you don't understand, please do so. God has created all of these avenues. Yes, he, he is our healer. He, he, he is our comforter. He, he, he provides for us. He's our everything. But he also created tangible things that he understands that, okay, yeah, we are social beings. There are certain things in our life that we need. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Adam had everything at his disposal. He named the animals. He tilted the ground. He was living his best life. But God noticed one thing. There was nobody that was compatible with him. After, after everything God had given him, gave him everything on the silver platter. Adam was so in tune with living out his purpose. There's another thing. Find out what drives you every day to be successful, not only for yourself, but to be a blessing to other people. What impact that you're gonna leave in this earth when you're gone, that it blesses your children, your children's children, and generations to come way after we're gone, gone. Because of course, I can go Bible, I can go, I can go logic, I can do whatever in a conversation. But of course the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything will be added to you. Adam knew everything. The righteousness and everything was in place because he was so in tune with God that God even asked him to name the animals without even telling him anything. But what Adam named, that what God had already repurposed the name was because he was so in tune. He was in place and in his position of what God had called him to do. The reason why we're going so much in circles in life and having a lot of difficulties, we're out of place and out of position as men of God, point blank period. Because we search for all these other avenues to soothe different areas of in our life to make us feel like a man. 
But when you get in that position of God and fulfilling your purpose, all the other things will come to you. And I want you to solely focus on that. Ask God to direct you. Get around people who are going to challenge you to become the best version of yourself. And not only that, to be a blessing to others, that you can sow seed in somebody else's life. And when you fall, going on to glory, living with, you know, with the Lord, that a part of you still exists in this world. Those are the things we should be seeking after. Those things that's actually going to change the course of the generations behind us, the community we live in, live in and the people that are attached to us that we so love. You know, here's the thing. We talk about dating and we could go on, and this could be our, our next segment. Adam didn't go looking for Eve. So why am I going searching for a woman? If I'm in the right position and purpose of what God called me to be, if you look at the scripture in its proper context, it said God brought Eve to Adam unexpectedly because he was asleep. He wasn't expected to meet, him, meet her. But when he opened his eye, he clearly identified who she was. So as men, we're searching for all these avenues to soothe or to fill whatever void in our life to make us feel a certain way when we need to trust God in everything we do from relationship, business, whatever. Until we come in to that point in our life, we're going to be going around in circles like the children of Israel, like I have for the last three years of my life. I've been wandering the wilderness, but it only takes one conscious decision to understand who you are to make that journey that we should have took three days, but it took you 40 years to get there. And a lot of us is missing that turn by one decision, by wandering, still trying to figure it out. Make that one decision that's important to you, to the people that are connected to you, and what you want to do in this, in this earth. What do you want to do? How do you want people to see you? Sounds like you're saying to these fellas that they're holding up their own destiny yes. by delaying that one courageous decision because it may feel like that. Exactly. And I heard Pastor Keon Henderson uh, last week, and he said, you're one decision away from God changing the whole course of your life. In other words, you one decision away from your breakthrough, whatever you were waiting on God to manifest in your life, that one decision. And nine times out of 10, us as men, we know that decision to make, but we're scared mm. to make it because we don't know what's on the other side of that decision. Because we've been, we done made so many bad decisions in the past, we're scared to make the next decision, which could be the decision that change our whole life and the people around us. Wow, wow. So brothers, wow. you just have to unpack all of that. Put everything on the table. See it for what it is. I make identification. And one thing you know, you've always shared with me, recognize, cultivate, utilize, no matter the good, bad, and the ugly, is your perception is how you're going to perceive whatever in life and see the good in it. You can see good and bad. You can see bad and good. Mm -hmm. How you see it. It's how you see it. It's how you see it, fellas. Men plus mental health. We're on today with 
I was going to say elder, <laughs> Edward Darian. Thank you so much for being our very special guest today. We will be back on with some more of this juicy conversation, Savannah. It sounds like there's a lot more for us to unpack. I want to do whatever I can for the men that are out there, for the women that are out there that need to have this conversation, need to just talk about it, to gain an understanding. You said that a lot today, as well as a different perspective. You again, my brother and sister are not alone. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Edward, for joining me. That's another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. I wanna remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the preceding program was not necessarily that of WRUU, its staff or its license holder. Merry Christmas, and we will see you next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.